Welcome back to Dodger Talk. Great to be back with you. The Dodgers will be back in action tomorrow afternoon as they start a seven-game road trip, which begins in Miami with a four-game wraparound series against the Marlins. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. We'll get back to your phone calls in just a moment, but we are joined right now by one of the best baseball analysts in America. The Dodgers call him their own. They rent him, but obviously he's a Dodger through and through. Came up with Tommy Lasorda through the minor leagues. His first manager was Tommy Lasorda, won the Rookie of the Year for Tommy Lasorda in 1992 and became the all-time L.A. Dodger home run king after a fantastic 14-year major league career that obviously ended in Oakland because that's where every Dodger career goes to die. And that is our man, Eric Harris. Hi, E.K. <laughs> You're right on about that, about where old Dodgers go to die. That's, you know, it's funny you say that, that when I first walked into that clubhouse, uh, Steve Vucinich, who had been there since the early 70s, he dropped that line on me. He said, this is where all old Dodgers go to die. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I got a few more years left. But it's ironic. It's, you know, it's where Ron Say, Dusty Baker, um, Mike Piazza, Nomar, I mean, Manny, myself, it, it just, that's uh, that's the last stop, Oakland. So, you know, if you're a do former Dodger and you go there, career is going to be ending real quick. <laughs> I remember two things about your year in Oakland. I came to see you at the spring training complex and you were optimistic. And then we were at the point of our relationship where I could call you and you would call me back, and uh, you were not so happy in the middle of that 04 season. No, that was uh, – I don't know if I – I didn't say I got tricked, but I was the opening day first baseman, and then uh, and then I didn't play for, like, I think 10 games because of uh, – <laughs> that was at the height of money ball, and it was all matchups. So, yeah, I found my way into the broadcast booth uh, at the end of that season calling the Dodgers Giants game uh what's referred to as the Steve Finley game uh for Fox. That's incredible. That's how your broadcasting career started? Yeah, that was my well, that's yeah, on for TV. Uh that was my first game I had ever called and uh it was a national game on Fox. It was the last uh, second to last game of the season. The Dodgers clinched it with that uh, Finley uh, grand slam. That was a memorable Dodger Giant game, that's for sure. Eric, I, I remember you when you were playing, uh, even before I started working in broadcasting, you were always in front of the camera, in front of your locker, win or lose. And then when I started covering you, you were always great. You were a friend to the media. You knew how to play ball with the media. Did you ever envision yourself becoming a full-time broadcaster? I, I don't think I ever – I don't think I ever thought that that would happen. But as I got the uh, – closer with a lot of the people in the media. I got to understand the job. Uh, I got to appreciate how hard uh, the work was and it is demanding. A lot of people think that it's just, Oh, you just show up in the booth or, you know, you just hang out after the game and talk to the players. And as you well know, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of deadlines. There's a lot of preparation. And uh, I think as a player, I learned to appreciate the, uh, what the media has to go through and now being on, on that side, um, you know, I, I probably, I probably realized that there's more work than I, I even thought there would be, but it's great to be around the game and it's, uh, it's another way to, uh, to grow the game. 
When you started, obviously you were a national broadcaster. Now you do games as well with Sportsnet LA on top of your Fox Sports jobs. Was it difficult? Did you pay extra attention when you did broadcast Dodger games to not come across shading towards the Dodgers? Or did you find yourself uh, being able to toe that line pretty easily? It's tough to do. Oh, I should say it's tough. There's a difference between doing a national game and doing a game for your respective team. In my case, obviously, the Dodgers. Uh, you, you're you're going towards a, a you know an audience that is obviously when you're doing local games, it's it's pro Dodger, right? And so, you know, you've got to come across in your telecast. Uh, you know, you you may you may try to be right down the middle, but it doesn't always come across that way. And where when you're doing a national game. Uh, you know, you try, you're, you're on both sides. You, you've got to be, you've got to be educated about both teams, and you want to, to present that in the telecast. With the local telecasts, you've got to be a little more uh, Dodger centric. Uh, you can talk about the other teams, but boy, be careful if you if you heap any praise on the other team because. Uh, <laughs> you know, that'll come across as, you know, like you're rooting for him or something. So I, I've learned that, but I, I totally get it. And um, I think I'm becoming more and more comfortable and uh, doing the, the, the Dodger telecast. With all that being said, you do see more teams around Major League Baseball than anybody else that covers the Dodgers. The main question around town is who's the biggest challenge to the Dodgers in the postseason? Is it the Mets or is it the Atlanta Braves? So for me, it's the the Mets, and it just because of their their, their pitching. Um, the Braves, I think they again. I know they beat the Dodgers last year, but I I think that they are a little more vulnerable. I think they can be pitched too. There's a lot more swing and miss. Uh, I don't know that they have the uh, the staff that the, the Mets do, and especially with, with Scherzer and Degrom, and then you throw in Bassett there. Uh, the closer in Diaz, where where the Mets may be vulnerable is that bridge, bridge area. Uh, but if you're getting Scherzer and Degrom going six or seven innings, uh, I, I think that they give the Dodgers uh, greater difficulty or greater matchup problems than do the Braves. The, the Mets are also, I think they're they're a better contact team. They don't swing and miss. They get on base. Uh, they're pretty decent defensively. I, I just feel like the, the Mets are a more complete team, and it, it's a more of a matchup problem than the Braves are. Would you say that matchup problem would be magnified in a five-game series or a seven-game series? Because there's still a chance the Braves win the NL East. There is, but I, I here's the thing. I if I if I've got to play a seven game series and with the way the schedule set up, you're going to see if you're playing the Mets, you're going to see Degrom twice and Scherzer twice. So that means essentially for the Mets, if you can sneak just one win somewhere else, you know you got to like your chances of winning three out of four with you know Degrom and Scherzer. If if in the five game series, I think the way the schedule set up, there there aren't off days. Uh, between four and five, I don't know that you're coming back on, you know, your one, your number one starter will come back on, on full rest, but 
you won't see both of those guys. So then, then I would give the advantage to the Dodgers. Um, I still think the Dodgers are, are the best team. I still think they're the most complete team. There, there's still some questions as we navigate the next uh, month and a week, month and two weeks, uh, that are going to determine how deep the Dodgers and how good they're, they're going to be. Eric Karos is our guest. I'm glad you brought up the playoff schedule, Eric, because when I looked at it initially, it reminded me of 2020 when the Dodgers and all the playoff teams were in the bubble in Texas, no days off because of no travel. And because of this condensed playoff schedule, there's very minimal off days, one in the first round, like you said, and one in the second round. Do you feel like that also is a huge advantage for the Dodgers who have more pitching depth than any other team in the postseason? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's a huge advantage, but I, okay. Yeah. It ticks towards their, their favor. I think also the, the importance of having home field advantage is, is paramount too. Um, you know, the fact that you're going to have to travel between games four and five in the five game series, that is, that's not ideal, right? And I, I believe that's the case, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, it is. And so, so if you're playing Dodgers-Mets, you know, you definitely want – you've got to have that home field. Because if you don't, then you're the Mets. You've got to fly out to L.A., then you've got to fly back to New York, and then if there's a game five, you fly back out to L.A. So that's three cross-country trips. And that's where, you know, the Dodgers, they've got the home field advantage. They're basically making – if it's five, it's only two. And you don't think that that matters, but it matters, and then it really matters if games five and six, which, you know, apparently right now with the way the schedule set up, those are back-to-back. And it just – that that plays a role. That's why I think the Dodgers, so important to, to have that home field advantage. And, you know, it looks like, you know, barring a, a collapse, they'll have that uh, – you know, throughout everything. Okay, so what's the balance now as we go down the final month? Once the Dodgers come back from this road trip, they play 26 games in 28 days. They have enough pitching to be able to cover those days, but what's the balance between keeping their starters sharp and their pitching staff sharp and their players sharp and also, you know, not wearing them out down the stretch with this condensed schedule? So you, you you can mix and match, you figure out some things, but the last week and a half you're you've got your playoff group going. And you're you're maybe the last two weeks. The other thing too that is going to be a little interesting is that time off that the Dodgers and whoever finishes second will have um, because of I think what did they get? Five days, five or yeah, six days off. Five days. They will play. Yeah, right. So that's that's not ideal. But if I, I think what they'll do is again they will try to answer questions over the next next month, and then the last two weeks it is just going to be like playoff games and and having your roster. I shouldn't say your roster, but your lineups and your your platoons, your rolls out of the bullpen. I think that all becomes playoff-like those last two weeks of the season. So before that, in September, when they're playing these strings of games, 
do you feel like uh, the starts for Tyler Anderson, Tony Gonsolin, they should be treated as uh, simulated games or spring training games where maybe they come out after three or four innings, or do you feel like you treat them normal? No, I think you've got to you've got to still have them throw five or six innings, right, or or whatever the pitch count. But I don't know that I'm going down to three innings. Um, you know, I'm, I'm maybe maybe I'm seventy some pitches just because you want to keep them built up. Now you also have to be cognizant, as you just mentioned, um, with the workload that they've had. I, for me, the the last you know th- these next few weeks. The big thing and the most pertinent question is going to be how how is Craig Kimball going to be used and can you get him back or get him to the level that, you know, he's performed at most of his career and that's shutting down things at the end of the game. Because if that happens, then you can you know, deploy trying in the, wherever you want and that's assuming that all goes well with him, which which we're all hoping, uh, because then he becomes the, the biggest weapon in that uh, in that bullpen. Bring him in yep. in just high leverage situations. What about the fact that it seems like they may start experimenting with Phillips and Trinan when he comes back in September to close out games? Does that kind of tell you the the writings on the wall that Craig Kimbrell they can't trust him? Well, so here's the thing. <laughs> You still got a few more weeks, and if, if you're convinced that that Kimbrel's not the guy, which again he's he will make that decision for Dave Roberts and Andrew Friedman, Mark Pryor, uh, by his performance. But the Dodgers are the best if he can close, and you can bring Trinan in in the fifth inning with the game on the line, or you know a, a, a big situation. You know, it's interesting. We talk about all these things that have happened this year with the Dodgers. And, you know, yes, we're losing Walker Bueller. And, and, and yes, you know, Kirsch has been out. But for me, and it goes on said, the the most impactful or one of the biggest losses this year is Daniel Hudson. And we don't even talk about that anymore. And the yeah. reason I say that is because when he went down, you know, he was he was going in. I think he was closing a little bit then, but he was the high leverage guy. You could use him in the seventh inning. You could use him in the eighth inning. And when he went down, that was a huge blow because there was no chance of him coming back. And that is a guy that, that you know, that role that role is going to be the most valuable role, I believe, on this team because the fifth, sixth seventh inning of a playoff game is usually your most important inning because that's when that middle of the lineup's coming through. You can have the game on the line and it's just, you know, you don't say you're playing the Mets. You certainly don't want to lose a lead and then have to see Diaz in the ninth. Like I, you know, I, you don't want to save, you don't want to save your best guy for the ninth inning because the ninth inning may be irrelevant. The big, yeah. the big part of the game is going to be that sixth and seventh, fifth, sixth and seventh for, for playoff games for me or, are, are much different than regular season. That sounds reminiscent of when Kenley Jansen was closing games for the Dodgers in his prime. You, you did not want to be down even in the eighth inning in, in a playoff game. Right, right. And, and that's, that's why holding that lead uh, or maintaining or getting that lead in, the, you know, that, that, like I said, that fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, that's when the, the third time and the lineup of the other teams usually coming around the third time. And, uh, 
you know, if you're a situation where you're trying to prevent a big inning, they've got runners on, and that's where you deploy your best reliever at, the, at that point, in my opinion. Hey, that makes a lot of sense. There's a reason why you're a broadcaster now. <laughs> uh, I must not make too much sense. That's why I'm still in the broadcast booth, right? <laughs> now, whatever a headache you think you have in the broadcast booth, it's significantly less than being in the dugout. <laughs> I hear you. There's no doubt about that. No doubt. <laughs> Great catching up with you, and I look forward to uh, the last couple of road trips that you're making with the Dodgers. Uh, I'll get you into some trouble. I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm just going to stay away from any slides. <laughs> we could have gone down together. That would have been bad. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Eric. You're the best. Care, I appreciate buddy. it. Thanks. Okay.